taking a look at who are your best employees and just like sitting down with them like, hey, what do you read? Like, where do you hang out? What are your hobbies? Like, what's your favorite blog? What are some of your favorite podcasts right now? This is Digital Marketing. Hey, it's Marky Grass here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Hey everyone, welcome to the Digital Market Podcast, where we talk everything digital marketing strategy from all the platforms we all love to use, plus all the strategies that you need to execute and get success for your agencies or small businesses that you serve. Uh, so today we have Andy Bontz online. He's the marketing director for Midwest Family. They actually serve eight different markets in Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and Missouri. So welcome to the show, Andy. Great to be here, Mark. Thanks for Thanks for this. This is awesome. Thanks for coming online. So before we got on, we actually talked about uh, some events that you've been doing, which is super interesting to me because we actually just did an event, the Certified Partner Training Day over in uh, North Carolina. And we've been discussing sponsoring some events to help people learn more about digital marketer in different areas. So why don't we just start with kind of what you guys did, how you promoted it, and kind of what kind of effect it had on your business. Yeah, so we have been focusing on recruiting, helping our clients and customers recruit with recruiting for really the last year. This event was called Recruiting on the Rocks. We had like a happy hour event and we really focused on the applicant journey. So kind of the customer value journey, but add a little, little bit of a different lens to it and really focused on the applicant journey because we found that most people in the HR profession or the recruiting profession have been tasked to think like marketers. And most of them are under-skilled and just haven't had to learn this stuff because of the environment that we're in. So we've been analyzing our clients and finding out that they, if they've invested a lot of time in their customer journey, possibly, but the applicant journey, they haven't really had to focus on it. So we spent a whole event kind of talking about who they're, how to build a persona and how to analyze their, 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 their applicant journey to improve where their biggest holes are in that process. So it, it went really well. We, we promoted it. So we own eight radio stations in the Madison area. So this is where we had the event. Uh, we promoted it with those. We have an email list of, I don't know, probably 2000 um, of our current and past clients. We have, eight sales reps too. So they, they help promote it to their clients and 
essentially we just had each of our sales reps come up with a list of about 150 of our ideal clients or prospects. We built a eight-week drip sequence previous to the event and trickled in some, some radio blasts and utilized LinkedIn and Facebook, created an event on LinkedIn. That's awesome. So we had drinks and uh, food and we gave some prizes away. Uh, we had a little swag that they walked away the event with. So it was really smooth. That's awesome. Did you have any kind of presentations or was it more just uh, open house style? Yeah. So we had networking for the first 45 minutes. And then we had about another 45 minutes of a presentation talking about the applicant journey and creating personas. And then we had a guided group discussion, basically talking about what's working and what's not. And we had a lot of engagement uh, involving the people there that were there allowing them to ask the questions like, well, I'm a manufacturing company. How does this apply to me? You know, help. And it, it applies to everybody, but it's pretty easy to sit in that mindset of like, oh yeah, I'm not B2C. So this doesn't work for me. Or I'm trying to hire welders. Like how's this, how's that going to work for me? You know, so helping them voice those concerns and, and share those and yeah, help shift some paradigms and trigger some light bulb moments. It was pretty cool. That's fantastic. So you did a uh, eight-week campaign, radio, and email. Did you also use social media to promote or? Yeah, yeah. LinkedIn actually, I had never used LinkedIn events before, but we had a lot of engagement on that event. I think seventy percent of our RCPs happened through LinkedIn versus the form on our our website. So that was the primary piece that we used. We had Facebook stuff, and we created some stuff on Instagram, but. LinkedIn was our our best place for that. And that makes sense because most HR people use LinkedIn quite a bit. So That's awesome. So what was the attendance like at each event? So we had 20 people at the event. So we wanted to keep it small. I think we had 77 RSVP. The weather was a little bit off. 40 degrees and raining isn't super conducive for uh, people getting out and networking. But we had 10 of the... 18 people there express that they wanted help fixing their applicant journey. So that was a, a win for us. So yeah, half that's, that's fantastic. Was it outdoors or was it hosted somewhere? It was inside. We have a sound lounge in our building. We're in a nice lobby. So we, we hosted it at our location and some music and all the other bands to, to help the event along. So Oh, that's fantastic. Well, and, and for the listeners who don't know, the, the customer value journey is typically applied to, you know, going out to the market, making people aware of your brand, and then bringing them in for initial purchases, ascension purchases, and finally becoming, uh, you know, advocates of your brand. So this is actually a really deep application of that in terms of just onboard, you know, good employees, which, you know, if you're a business owner right now, you've probably lost a bunch of people that you really liked. And Bringing in new people is tough. I mean, these days, I don't know what your experience is like, but people interview really well. Like, it's it's just a thing. And it's probably, you know, content creators' fault for telling them how to interview well, <laughs> which isn't bad. But yeah, why don't you just walk us through, you know, that applicant journey? Yeah, so I think we believe in telling the right story at the right time. And where most of our clients struggle is that the local area has no idea who their company is. So when their applicants or potential applicants are looking for them, they're just, they don't stick out. 
that people go on ZipRecruiter or LinkedIn and these smaller manufacturing companies or large manufacturing companies that kind of fly under the radar that don't necessarily look for customers in the local area. They haven't really needed to have a brand yet, but because they were, they didn't have an awareness in the local area that they just didn't stick out and they didn't have a good one. So basically we help guide, well, basically help them teach. Okay. Well, what are you doing to, take people who are strangers or ne- have never heard of your company before or your applicants to get them to know you. And what kind of stories did you tell them to get to know your business, to kind of broadcast your culture to your ideal potential applicants? And most likely the people that they really want are working for somebody else. So how do you move them from kind of a stranger to at least some basic name recognition to getting them engaged. Like how do you drive them from where they're at to your website so they can get a little bit more of a look and feel for your company or to LinkedIn or to Facebook or or whatever. What are you saying there to continue to tell your brand story? So one of the things that we did at Midwest Family, at the event we shared like our culture video that we have on our careers page that uh, talks a lot about what we believe in. The fact that we believe that it's okay to have a beer at work as long as there's a band in the building and that we believe that Bucky could beat the crap out of every other mascot out there, you know? So just kind of demonstrating a little bit about our culture and then getting them to subscribe. So from the, as you look at the customer journey, how do you get the ability to follow up with them and and really reducing friction in that whole process? Because many companies, because they're so connected to their own company, it's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. They don't know how big of a pain in the butt their application process is, <laughs> or if their website's designed to it, or if all of the application process happens on ZipRecruiter or LinkedIn, you can't control that. And all of a sudden, you're next to all of your competitors for that applicant journey to where, just like the customer value journey, if you can beat your competitors to the applicants, before they even get there, you're ahead of the game. So it was really well received by everyone that was attended and the content was new and fresh and not a lot of people are talking about this subject. So it went over really well. That's awesome. Well, and then for you guys, it got you exposure to all these small business owners that are obviously growing, right? If they're hiring. So uh, good prospecting. Well, and it's like a lot of our clients and prospects and small business owners we help, they we hear it very frequently that we don't have a new customer problem. We just don't have the team or people to fulfill on what we're trying to accomplish. And our long-term approach is like, okay, well, if we can solve that for them and do, or when we solve that for them, do a good job, then we can help market, you know? So it's, it's, it's a different approach to if you solve the recruiting problem, then I mean, primarily we've worked with like local service-based businesses over the last 60 years we've been in business, but we were trying to kind of crack into the other 90% of businesses, the manufacturers that you would drive by and you would, wouldn't know there's a $10 million business there because, you know, it happens in these manufacturing parks and business parks and, but they're gigantic businesses locally that employ 50 to 100 employees that not a lot of people have heard of these companies. <laughs> yeah. 
I think, well, I think that's a, you know, really common misconception about like, oh, which companies are making money? And you always think it's these really big, visually appealing companies who are doing an excellent job at, say, B2C branding. But, you know, a lot of times, like you're saying, a 50 to 100 person construction company or local manufacturer might be doing 10, 20, 30 million dollars. And you wouldn't think twice about them because they don't really need to make the effort on the branding front. But when it comes to hiring, nobody wants to work for ABC manufacturing that has an unattractive website, no clear vision publicly, and then they expect to attract really desirable candidates who have a billion different options to work at. So I think that's a B2B approach where you're saying, hey, no, this is it, the image is still important. And I think what you're talking about doing that applicant journey is good for the whole company, not just for hiring, but it puts all that stuff in perspective. For sure. And the changing toward trying to attract Gen Z and millennials and the different approach that you need to take to broadcast your culture. And it's not all about who has the best signing bonus and who pays the most and all of these different components to where it would be easy if it was like whoever paid the most won. It's like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, beat our competitor by $2 an hour. But they are having a hard time telling the stories of like what it's like to work for their company and demonstrating that on their website and on their social media and answering the question like, okay, well, yes, I could work for you, but why should I work for you over somebody else? And it's the same stuff that as consumers, you know, we ask when we're buying products or services, especially high end or you know, if you're buying a house or hiring a lawyer or an accountant, it's like you're going to give them a lot of your time and money. So you really have to do your due diligence. So, but as an employer, you're like, well, this person is going to give you 40, 50, 60 hours a week of their life. They, they, they're going to do their due diligence. And a lot of the power or leverage is on the applicant side right now. So it, it's a challenging it's one of the most challenging, if not the challenging moments, but also biggest opportunities for employers to to position themselves as an employer of choice. And if you can really hone in on that the applicant journey and figure out where your biggest holes are, where your opportunities are, where you're missing, where you're not telling a good story, you can, you know, shift your numbers from, okay, well, we're getting a hundred applicants, but Ninety-seven percent of them are not our best client or best applicants. So, well, then once you start looking at retention numbers, where it's like, yeah, you could hire somebody, you know, in a limited amount of time, but if you don't have that culture or that vision that you're displaying publicly, then you're probably going to one end up spending more. So, let's say you can't fill that position, so you're just like, okay, well, I'll just pay double the market, and somebody will take it, and that person's probably not going to be ideal. You're spending too much for them and they probably won't last that long because if they don't connect, if they just by chance connect with your culture, great. But the fact of the matter is you can manufacture that culture that they see. It should also be genuine, of course. But, you know, like you were saying, like, hey, you can drink a beer during the day. You get all your crap done and we finish early or we meet our goals or whatever it is. For sure. Yeah. And as you look at the customer journey to like, once they become an employee of yours, what are you doing strategically to elevate, ascend them from who they, the job they started with and grow them in the company and then 
turn them into a raving fan of your business and testimonials and stories and reviews and getting all those things on Glassdoor and thinking about it like, okay, how can you continue, you know, first get them to get a job and then build your structure or system to gamify like, all right, well, how can we turn this good employee to a great employee and help them elevate their career and grow through their path? So it's, it's a really different approach that very attached to the, to the business's culture and something that I don't know how many businesses have that lane laid out systematically. And I think it's the difference between the good companies to work for and the great ones. So there's just a lot of opportunity to have that documented process, both in marketing and what we're learning and recruiting, especially now and, you know, 2022. And a lot of people thought COVID and that kind of stuff was the reason why this is all happening, but it just sped it up of shining the light on, okay, wow, companies just have not figured out how to adequately position themselves with their current employees the prospective employees and past employees and now they're they're leaving (laughs) (laughs) so so now what you know hey ryan dice here you know it's been a while since i've run the day-to-day for digital marketer the company that roland and i are partners in fortunately we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. Well, now it's, I think it's just a huge opportunity where it's, you know, think how much better your business could be if you cared about this stuff. If, you know, the the turnover you've seen, because a lot of companies are seeing 50% turnover, losing half of your company during COVID, and now you're rebuilding it. But what if you rebuilt that new you know, set of people and your goal is to have them there for 10 years. Because I think this job hopping thing, because you probably see it on applicants too, where you look at the applications, you're like, hey, this person looks great. And then you're like, okay, mid 2021, they were here. Beginning of 2021, they were over there. And then 2020, they were over. They have like 10, you know, positions that they've had in the last like five years. And so that's a red flag, but it's pretty common these days. So I think it's, uh, it's good on both parts. The employees are starting to realize that Money matters, but it's not the the most important thing you need. And employers are realizing that, again, I don't have to pay the most for good employees, but I do need to pay attention to my culture and how I treat my employees and how I retain my employees and all that kind of stuff. So, And I think it's a nice opportunity for a business owner or a leader to 
really engage with their current, just like you would with your past customers. Like, why are you working here? What makes us different? And looking at your reviews or your your glowing people, like how how do people talk about you that where you work? Is it money? And and just like you would with your customers, and that's one thing I I don't have a recruiting background. I, I've been I own my own digital agency for five years and been marketing for fifteen years. So like the recruiting applicants application stuff, it's like this is all new, but it's really not that different though. <laughs> it's understanding the strategic approach to is like oh well that's actually a lot more similar than I thought. And you can either be proactive or reactive. If you're proactive, you'll you'll get to these people first and they'll stick with you. If you're reactive, then you're going to be the person that lost 50% of their people. And now you're, you're getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> now you just took on 10 more jobs than you were planning on having uh, yourself is, is what ends up happening with business owners where... You know, if you just focus a little bit on it, because I, I was actually an HR major, so I, I went to school specifically for this kind of stuff. And I remember the first executive team I was on after college, I was trying to convince them of that exact thing where I said, hey, yes, salary matters. Yes, you know, incentivized pay matters, but company culture and how these people feel about their position matters just as much. And that was back in 2000. Five, I want to say somewhere other, and it, it was just talking to a wall. They're like, "No, if we pay them, they should be here, and they should be working hard, and they should be blah blah blah." I'm like, "I don't think it works like that <laughs> anymore." Yeah, but that, yeah. that, that is a common challenge when you. I'm, I'm an old millennial. I'm, I'm like in the last cusp of it. Of yeah, like me too. Six months from <laughs> so, but I listen to people ten years older than me, and they're just frustrated with. Well, first millennials and now Gen Z, we're like, what the hell? Why can't you just do this? And I was listening to a Darren Hardy um, clip, and he had shared to where most the, the leaders that differentiate themselves right now are the ones that allow themselves to learn and allow the 20 and 30 somethings to shift and shape their culture and shift their paradigms as a leader on how to build a culture that will not only survive, but thrive going forward, right? So, and the ones that won't are the ones that will just continue to put them in their own little corner and be like, oh yeah, you're young, naive, and, you know, yeah, lazy and stupid, <laughs> you know, I, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just complain about you to everybody else, but and struggle to hire you and, and not know why, you know? So it's, it's, it's an interesting time and one of the most, the biggest opportunities for either growth or I guess starvation. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the, the problem is that, you know, your only other option if you're not willing to deal with 20 or 30 somethings is to go 40, 50, 60 somethings. And you know, that, that group's only going to be able to work for so long before they just don't want to have those positions anymore, especially manufacturing where, you know, there is a physical component and you need those, you know, younger people who are going to be lifting things. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> That's uh, that still happens. So yeah, I think that's that's exactly the case, and you can't ignore it. And and what what you'll find because it is a transition, especially for old managers to say, hey, I know I, I define the job responsibilities. I know we we pay you well, we incentivize you well, and the, the way to take an unhappy employee is to say, hey, you either buckle down and you do what you agreed to when I hired you, or you're fired, or you could take the approach and say, hey, this all matters, but 
let's take a step further. What do you think needs to be done? And then just listening for a little bit, <laughs> but still providing that vision. So I think, and that's where this applicant journey that you're talking about comes back in where you're saying, Hey, no, this is, this is where you're going to get to. Here's the yeah. opportunities you're going to have, you know, you, you could help shape this culture because now we're modernizing. Yeah. And, and the, the persona and avatar stuff to where taking a look at who are your best employees and just like sitting down with them, like, Hey, what do you read? Like, where do you hang out? What are your hobbies? Like, what's your favorite blog? What are some of your favorite podcasts right now? Because you have a lot more opportunity to learn from them than you do your customers <laughs> because they're in your building and they work for you. So just having that opportunity is like, okay, well, your top performers, your, your people, if you had a dozen people just like them, what if you took the opportunity to take them out for beer, for lunch, and just learn about them as human beings? And then... Once you know that stuff, a marketer or somebody with a marketing brain can say, oh, okay, well, let's structure these stories and messages to speak to these people and get more people just like this person because we love this person. And then all of a sudden, over time, it's not going to happen overnight because marketing never marketing results never do. And But over after a few years of dialing in and having the right strategy and figuring out what attracts these people, and why they're there and maybe getting them on a video talking about why they love what they do. <laughs> uh, you'll get more people just like them over time, eventually, as long as you're, as long as you can take that story and put it in front of the people who are like them, but probably working for somebody else uh, strategically and you can pay to do so. And that's what, that's what we do. It's like, okay, well let's take these messages and pay to put them in front of the right person elsewhere because we have all this targeting data and demographic data and all that stuff that we can as marketers and we can figure that out <laughs> if you don't know how there's a lot of people that love that stuff me included <laughs> well and and actually you dropped a pro tip right there which is you know what books do you like to read because i think and that goes both ways because when i came into digital marketer i actually asked ryan dice and, and richard lindner about what books do you suggest and so they just gave me a set of 10 books and I just read the books <laughs> and I was like, oh, I have an understanding of the managing principles that are being applied to my job and I'm supposed to apply to my employees. And so that's that's a huge tip. I think just the what books do you like or what podcasts do you like if, if people aren't readers, marketers, you know, I don't know if you can see in the background. I think I have 500 marketing books behind me. This is just a fraction of Ryan's library, by the way. But yeah, depending on your industry, yeah, podcasts would be interesting. If it's a 20, 30-something-year-old man, it's going to be Joe and then some other list. So you're going to get that common answer. So as long as you're cool with that, you're good to go. So that's that's fantastic. And I think the the whole event concept for recruiting is awesome from a prospecting standpoint, but also from uh, teaching these kind of classic businesses, classic deca million dollar businesses how to hire in a modern fashion is actually really altruistic in a way where you're you could be saving these companies from long-term decline or even just temporary but harmful decreases in productivity because like like you said it's it's not an issue of we we can't make sales it's an issue of we can't actually serve the amount of people that are coming to us which as a small business owner or any business owner is Maybe the most frustrating thing in the world. Like, oh my gosh, I finally got sales and now I can't deliver. Like, that's depressing as crap. <laughs> so, yeah, because it, it like breaks your 
like ethics as an entrepreneur. It's like, oh, you're always pride yourself. Like once we get the customers, we overserve them. But now if your staff is reduced, now they're overworked, their satisfaction drops and their ability to serve people, they, they drop plates and drop balls and make mistakes. And it suffers, it's a reciprocal cycle of all of a sudden that's going to impact your ability to get new customers. And you as an owner or leader in your company, you're not doing what you said you're doing. So the proactive approach to it can make a lot of difference, some, a lot of difference. And sometimes it's a, some hard learning moments to where maybe it's not like you think it is because you're in your high castle and you stop listening. And I, I think there's a lot of fortune 100 companies and great leaders and CEOs that I've heard. On, I can't remember the name, but I think it was a guy that worked for Ford where his whole career, he would like walk the floors and just talk to his workers the, the every day or every week and constantly just engage with them and treat them as human beings. And it's, it's, there's a difference there. Well, and you go see, you know, you can walk into almost any business and, and see if they have a, a flat organizational structure or if they have this giant hierarchy that, you know, the guys on top have never even talked to the guys at the bottom or even mid-level. Because you have some companies where the mid-level executives have never met the owners or they've never met the, the CEO. And that's just normal. And I think the ones that really, you know, are getting more modern and realizing how important every individual in your organization is are starting to realize like flat is the way to go like less in between less disconnection i, I always you know yell at starbucks but my wife loves starbucks so she reviews all of them but she you know it's always like man they, they're out of the you know the stoppers that go on the cap they're out of this container they're out of this item that i order all the time and it's just gone and you just wonder like where's the managers in this like for starbucks to say you can't do online ordering and at a location that you usually do online ordering for is missing how many millions of dollars over this week. And so that's it. Nobody cares about it. And they constantly go out of stock still. So anyways, I think that's, you know, the modern approach is actually to connect just like you're saying. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen some supply chain issues for a lot of companies right now and those things that are, are going to happen, you know, outside your control, but what can you control? And I'm a big believer in only focus on what you can control and, and work with that because the, the opposite of that is you're stuck in victim mindset and mm -hmm. you're and complaining people to solve your problems for you which good luck with that mindset yeah blame blame me millennials <laughs> it's like i'm sorry this is the largest generation ever you're gonna have to deal with it and actually you're the weird one at this point <laughs> <laughs> that's never an easy realization to have is like oh crap I'm, oh, I'm, no. I'm the problem. Son of a gun. <laughs> I'm the complaining old guy. And you're like, oh, no. You know, probably happens to all of us at some point, but it's more obvious now, I think. So, well, those are uh, fantastic tips. I think you, your concept of the, the applicant journey is, is fantastic. Anybody who's familiar with Digital Marketer, you know, just check out the CBJ. Use the avatar of your, you know, best employee that you could ever want. And guide the path and you're good to go. Where can people find out more about your company? And, you know, if you publish this online, where would they find that info? So our, our parent company is midwestfamilyofcompanies.org. You can find more about our event and kind of see 
some of the content we post, we, we're, we're still kind of repurposing it right now. Probably by the time this podcast launches, we'll have it available. MidwestFamilyMadison.com uh, is where we hosted this event. So they're our biggest locations. So they're probably our, our best digital foot forward. So that's where check us out, check check us out here. And that's the stuff that I, I control most. I spend the most time at Madison. So MidwestFamilyMadison.com is is uh, probably where I'd send people. If you want to learn more about us as an organization, MidwestFamilyOfCompanies.org. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. And, and you're a certified partner. So your directory listing is actually at digitalmarketer.com. If you want to check that out. Thank you so much for coming on. I think I, I think your concept's super novel. Taking advantage of the fact that people are coming to events again and also acknowledging and kind of pushing the, you know, to find the best employees, you're going to have to put some effort in. <laughs> and so I think it's the new normal, right? For sure. Yeah, they, this is awesome. I, I've been following Digital Marketer for eight, 10 years. I got a random book in the mail from, from Ryan, just showed up one day and started just got a little piece of it. And it, it made a huge difference to me in my age. You know, when I started my agency and he's, you know, I'd see Digital Marketer it had big part of who I am today as a marketer. And I've, I, I listened to the Perpetual Traffic podcast for about 350 episodes. Wow. <laughs> every, every single one I listened to, I might be exaggerating that number, but a lot. No, of I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cosmo will appreciate it. So, and then I listened to this podcast when, uh, ever since you guys started it too. So happy to be here and hope, hopefully people got some gold nuggets uh, out of our chat today. No, oh, I, I definitely think so. Well, thank you so much. Like I said, that's our certified partner network. We appreciate you being part of that. If you're interested in that or anything else, Digital Marketer, just check out digitalmarketer.com and find out. Also, keep tuning in. We're, we're producing just a crap load of these episodes every single week. And be sure to check out the Perpetual Traffic uh, podcast as well with Kasim and Ralph. If you need traffic, that uh, best place to go. Check it out. All right. Thank you so much. And tune back in soon. This is Digital Marketer. Hey, DM listeners. If you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. Because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.